Beth, I'm, I'm really sorry, but this episode might contain some spoilers. 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 I'm going to have to leave. Sorry. Yeah. If you've not watched this episode, then uh, sorry, you're going to get spoiled. Hello, it's David. Just a heads up to say that this episode of The Who Watch contains discussions of race and racism. If that's not something you feel comfortable listening to right now, you can check out any of the other episodes in our feed. I can't wait for my favourite time of year. Which is? Which is, like, middle of November, which it is now. Yeah. When I get to, like, share that video of Theresa May going, Are you all ready for Christmas? (laughs) Are you all excited for Christmas? Welcome to the Who Watch podcast, where we're watching every episode of Doctor Who from 1963 to present day. He's David, I'm Beth, we're two huge Doctor Who fans, and we're very excited to continue our Who Watch journey. This week, we're watching, slash listening, because it's a missing episode, to Marco Polo, the fourth ever Doctor Who story. Before we begin, please do remember to follow us on the socials. You can find us on at Who Watch Podcast, everywhere you get your social media, and you can email us with your thoughts at the Who Watch Podcast at gmail.com. We don't have any emails this week, but we do have a nice message. Oh, a lovely message. We have a lovely message. Oh, a lovely um, message. Um, I haven't yet asked them if we can include this, but I will, and then hopefully you can be, yes. they can be anonymous. They can be Anon. Let's keep it Anon just in case they say no. We had a nice message from somebody who discovered us through Hulala. Shout out to oh, Hulala. Shout out to Hulala. Those Hate horrible, you. horrible boys. <laughs> they, yeah, they found us through Hulala, and they've sent me a little message to say how much they love the podcast. And I just wanted to share it. It's really lovely. Um, So they said that the podcast strikes the perfect balance of flowing natural conversation. They put their headphones on in the car and the podcast makes them feel really at ease. They said that the format feels like we're with it there in good Doctor Who related company. Oh, thank you. It's really lovely, isn't it? And a really relaxed atmosphere. So that was a nice message that we got and um, made me feel good inside. Although if you are listening to us when driving, please make sure that you do keep your eyes and ears entirely on the roads. Mm, no headphones um, here. No headphones, thank you. Um, we don't believe in car crashes. We just don't think they should happen. So, um, yeah, the only car crash... We're, we're car crash deniers. Was, yeah. <laughs> we don't believe in that. <laughs> the car crashes are a way for the government to hide what's truly going on, which is that cars actually are from another planet. Atmos. Atmos. <laughs> that's a big finish. A... I'm just going to say that every episode, every time we come up with an idea, that's a big finish. Okay. That, that one, that's a big finish. Um, so yes, if you want to get in touch with us, please do send us an email or get in touch on the socials. We really want to know what you think about the podcast, about Doctor Who, what's going on in the world, you know, your thoughts, your feelings, your emotions. Now, this episode is missing. We'll talk a little bit about what that means in just a second. But if you've seen um, the reconstruction that is done with Telesnaps, I've been introduced to that concept this week. Um, or you've listened to the audio or read the Target novel. What did you think about it? Um, please do get in touch and let us know. Yeah, and if you if you experienced it for the first time, sort of now, if you're following us in our Who Watch journey, how did you feel about it? Tell us your thought, thought, your thoughts. Tell us your thoughts. Tell us your thoughts. Tell us your thoughts. Tell us your thoughts. Your opinions. Any facts you want to share? We want to hear everything. And. 
if you'd like a little treat, because we all love a little treat, don't we? That's how we get through the day. We have a little snippet from courtesy of BBC Audio at the end of our episode. So please stay tuned for that very exciting little treat. Um, little Doctor Who audio preview at the end of this episode. Oh, exciting. So this is a huge seven-part story, so do excuse us while we take a little bit of time to explain it for those of you who have not watched it. Uh, it starts off with the Doctor, Ian, Barbara and Susan arriving on a snowy landscape, later discovering that they are in Central Asia in 1289. The TARDIS is broken, unable to provide the crew with heat, light or water, which is a bit of a nightmare, don't you think, David? After discovering some mysterious footprints in the snow, they set off to try and find shelter, fearing for their lives in the freezing temperatures. They soon come face to face with Mongol soldiers who almost kill them right there and then when Marco Polo steps in to save the day. Team TARDIS are given shelter and water before discovering that Polo wants to offer the TARDIS up to Kublai Khan in exchange of his return home to Venice. With them is Lord Tagana, who is meant to be brokering peace between two warring Mongol sides who conspires to poison the loss of them and also take down Kublai Khan. Also with them is Ping Cho, a young woman who is due to be married to a 75-year-old bloke in an arranged marriage. And she and Susan become busy mates. After a vicious sandstorm, Tagana meddles with the water supply, leading the Doctor, Marco Polo and friends on a treacherous journey across the Gobi Desert on rationed water. After passing out, the Doctor and Susan discover condensation on the walls of the TARDIS that rescues everyone from certain death. The condensation, Cleo! The condensation! Ping Cho tells a lovely story and then Tagana... <laughs> Pinto tells a lovely little story and then Tagana goes off to the cave of 500 eyes to plot with Mongol agents about how to kill Marco Polo and his new acquaintances. Barbara, ever the hero, has cottoned onto Tagana's treachery but almost gets killed in the process of following him. Lovely Ian comes to her rescue. Aww. Aww. And Tagana begins to spin another web of lies, turning Polo against the Doctor, Ian, Susan and Barbara, even going as far as separating new besties susan and ping cho not my gals tagana swears to kill everyone two nights later as they head towards the great wall of china tagana's secret men attack the camp but he murders his accomplice as to not be found out in another heroic moment ian uses a bamboo fire to frighten the bandits and in return marco allows ping cho and susan to share a bedroom again Finally working out what Tagana is playing out, the team try and convince Marco of the danger, but he is having none of it. All the while, Tagana is persuading a man with a monkey to steal the TARDIS. Ping Cho, being the loyal friend that she is, double-crosses Marco and gives the TARDIS key back to Susan and the Doctor. They attempt to escape, but Susan goes back to say goodbye to her girlfriend and gets caught by Tagana. Marco takes back the TARDIS key and Ian tries to persuade him of the ship's abilities. He does not believe that they can travel in time, nor that Ian was the key thief. Thief! 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 <laughs> And Ping Cho freaks out and flees. The TARDIS is stolen by the man with the monkey. Ping Cho gets conned and Barbara confronts Marco to attempt to stop Ping Cho's arranged marriage. They finally arrive at Kublai Khan's palace and the Doctor makes a new bezzy mate with Kublai Khan himself. They get into a game of backgammon to try and win back the TARDIS, but the Doctor loses. In some great karma for Ping Cho, her husband cacks it and she's able to have the future of her own choosing. In a final battle, the Mongol rebels begin marching towards the palace and Polo confronts Khan about Tagana's real intentions. Tagana and Polo have a cheeky sword fight that results in Tagana's suicide. Yikes. Marco swiftly gives the TARDIS key back to the Doctor and they fly away in their magic caravan while Khan finally permits Marco to return home to Venice. Whoa! <laughs> it's a long journey, this oh, one, isn't yeah. it? Literally and figuratively. Um... Because this takes place over many, many days. It takes place over many, many days. And I remember reading the Target novel of this story about six years ago. And I just remember being like, I can't imagine what this would be like to watch because they are just going from place to place, back and forth. Like they're on a journey. Yeah. And then the, it's just like moving from, from one place to the other and the TARDIS key gets given back and forth. And it's just sort of one of those stories that 
it, like it really is just back and forth all the time across the desert basically <laughs> it's also very like um indiana jones in some ways yeah like you know where the, like, the little red line crosses over a random place and he's on the plane mm. it just like it feels very much like an ad- um a kind of like a traveling adventure story mm-hmm. i think first we should talk about the fact that this is a missing story and what yes. that means so as some of you may know this is a missing story for those of you who don't know what that means basically in the 60s and 70s the bbc didn't really have a way of like keeping files very well they were not archiving they were not archiving their stuff and to make space for more recordings of other programs in the future um to make that space the bbc literally burned tens of tapes that um just chucked them in the bin just chucked them in the bin threw them on the fire um that were doctor who episodes um but obviously now in the future as fans of the show were wanting to watch back every single episode and we can't because some of them literally do not exist in the bbc archive however there are people trying to find those episodes because obviously this got sent out uh, from the BBC to various territories and various parts of the world to be shown in their local TV stations and local areas. And there are people who have got recordings of these episodes, basically recorded on VHS, or in some cases, like, original tapes that have been like, copied over from the BBC that were, like, sent to other countries to show on their national broadcaster. Sometimes the tapes do exist. They yes. just haven't all made their way They back. haven't all made all the way back. Very recently, actually... Um, there has been conversation reported in The Observer and The Guardian that there's somebody out there at the moment who has got an episode or a set of episodes and is one, potentially wanting to give them back but is kind of nervous that the BBC will sue them or go after them for holding on to stolen, stolen material. material and material that doesn't belong to them even though the BFI have like consistently offered to kind of be an intermediary between everybody and make sure everyone's happy so what we hope is that one day every single episode will be found and that we'll be able to watch them and they'll be beautiful and we'll all hold hands and sing kumbaya um but sadly there's a selection of episodes this one included there's a couple more that we'll get to in series two and in the second doctor's run that just do not exist um and it's quite sad actually that this doesn't exist because all the photos we have seen from behind the scenes of this makes it look like it's beautiful in many in many occasions yeah so i just want to quickly mention how many missing stories there are Mm. so there are 97 missing episodes in total Mm. that is a huge amount yeah that's a huge amount of episodes and there are 26 incomplete serials so there are 26 incomplete stories 97 missing episodes and this one's a bit odd because the entire thing of this is not like not there yeah usually for there's not there's no marco polo available usually there's like at least one episode from a serial or a story available that we can we can watch and get a rough idea but this has been the first time that we've come across like missing episodes and we just can't watch any of it mm-hmm. however there's the telesnaps which we were talking about earlier do you want to explain what those are because i i didn't watch telesnaps i listened to the audio of this yes so the way that i experienced this story when i watched it this week was through a telesnap reconstruction and i accidentally watched it in color because i didn't realize there was the option to do black and white <laughs> or color which actually really helped um because the the sets and the costumes for this are stunning they are beautiful um and what this basically means is that during the 60s i, I I don't actually know if this still is a thing that is done now, but um, there would be a photographer who would take a lot of pictures on set. And so that means that for the majority of the scenes, there is a photograph that can be put together 
to basically make almost like a slideshow, I would say, of, of images. But there are some fans who brilliantly in the 60s recorded the audio for these stories. So luckily, the entire audio for Marco Polo does exist. So this person, I don't actually know, um, I think the, the person or the company that makes the, um, I'm not sure if it's a company, it's called Loose Cannon. They, they've made the reconstruction. Um, and it's all of the sound. So the sound as you would just normally see it, which is a bit weird because sometimes they have to put descriptions on the screen. So say when there's a scene that someone's like opening a door, you can't see that happen. So it will be like, Barbara opens the door. Do you know what I mean? And so the way that I did it was I read, I, I watched the reconstruction, which was very good because they also zoom in on the characters' faces and stuff. So it's like when you're watching a scene, you have the picture or the image of where they are. And then when the different people speak, they'll zoom in on their faces so it actually does look like you're watching it. Do you know what I mean? Um, and then they have descriptions, but I also had the script in front of me and I was reading the script because apparently I can't do anything without subtitles. Um, and so I was reading the script and watching it and it actually didn't feel that much different from watching, you know, how I would normally watch a Doctor Who story. Um, and also really nice, it was in colour. So that made it really exciting. It was a really good story to see in colour. And I would highly recommend watching it that way. However, I have also read the target novel which was also an amazing way to experience this story because i guess it's not limited to anything like yeah. you, it, it's not limited to the, the sets or the costumes or whatever it is like you can really get your imagination into it which is where the bbc audio and things like that come come into play um so there are ways to experience this luckily so the way i listened to it was you sent me the telestaps and i tried watching them and the link that i got sent doesn't work <laughs> Did it not? Well, not on my computer. So yeah. I was like, doing a watch it and I was like, hmm, how else am I going to enjoy this? And then, magically, randomly, out of absolutely nowhere... On the exact day that we needed it. it was, truly, BBC announced that they were going to put missing episodes that they had the audio of onto BBC Sounds, which you can find now. There's a couple of different episodes, and what they have is um, some of the original actors voicing audio description, essentially. So Between the sets. Between so the sets, yes, yeah, so you know what's going on. So on the one that I was listening to, the uh, Marco Polo one, um, it had William Russell on it, like, describing what was going on and seeing what, what was happening. And it really was great. It was a great way to listen to it, a great way to understand the story. And it also just let me kind of have my imagination go wild a little bit because I didn't have a visual element. And I could do it while, like, doing other things. Yeah. I could, like wash up and do my dishes it's and like put an audio book yeah exactly it was literally like an audiobook. so it's a really great way if you've not watched it um and you can't watch it um and unless someone randomly out there has it if you do please hand it back to the bbc um so we can all enjoy it but if you want to listen to it you can on bbc science i think that we should also mention that a lot of missing stories have been animated so yes. for the next one that will come to the, the last story of this se season i think the two episodes that are missing have been animated so mm -hmm. we won't really we won't really have a problem with that i think it'll just yeah. be on iplayer um but yeah should we get into the story let's dig into it i have two immediate things that really struck me about this story yeah. um the first one is that the doctor is like almost pointless to the story he does nothing i agree ian and barbara and susan are the drivers of this story and the relationships. So first of all, Ian and Barbara come in straight away using their history and science knowledge as teachers. Yeah. Within literally eight minutes, I wrote it down because I was like, wow. Within about eight minutes, Barbara starts to describe like where, you know, where they are and who Marco Polo is. And like she she knows her history. So she's working out and she's explaining it to Susan. And then in the very next scene, Ian is describing the science behind why 
liquid was 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 boiling or something and that he was yeah, explaining air, that it the was air the air is too thin because yeah. of how high up they so, are yeah, in, yeah. in the so mountains he was doing science at marco polo who obviously didn't understand that yet yeah. and i just thought this is so great because if you're a child watching this in the 60s like you're learning stuff right you're i mean even i didn't really know very much about marco polo so even i'm you know learning as well um and and then for the rest of the story there's a lot of that that goes on with ian and barbara and then Susan has this really amazing storyline with with a young girl called Ping Cho, which means that all of those elements are really great and you really get to know them. However, the Doctor does like almost nothing. Yeah. <laughs> apart I, from faint again. <laughs> faint and collapse. I mean, it doesn't make sense because um, William Hartnell was ill for part of this story. Okay. So there's, while they were like, filming. While they were filming. Right, okay. So the entire episode where um, they get caught in a sandstorm mm-hmm. and... Barbara and Ian are trapped in like the tent with Marco Polo while uh, Susan and Ping Cho have gone to try and find Tagana, like discover his evil crimes. Um, they get caught in a sandstorm and yeah. they say- and it's quite a loud sandstorm. It's a very, very loud sandstorm. And Barbara's like, the doctor's asleep in the room next door. Let's not wake him. So he's scared of what happens happened to Susan. Mm-hmm. And it's because William Hartnell was ill as part of this. The doctor doesn't have very much to do other than- um, like we said in the description, the TARDIS lands, there's like a power outage. Mm. And so their thing that the, the Doctor has to do is they're like trying to fix the TARDIS while pretending that they don't have access to the TARDIS and trying to yeah. sneak away from Marco Polo. I do genuinely think the only helpful thing he does is discover the condensation in the TARDIS after he's fainted. Yes. Condensation. Condensation, Cleo. Um, and that's that's not only really, what I can remember, helpful thing that he does. And also, actually, what you just said really resonates because Hartnell's performance is very, like, irritable and angry. And he is so grumpy in this. It kind of feels like... William Hartnell was not happy. <laughs> yeah, it feels like the first Doctor is slightly slipping away. Although there is points where, like, I was like, this is only, this This, this behaviour is so first Doctor-ish, mm. where um, the he loses the game of backgammon to Kubla Khan <laughs> and then just comes in and starts giggling about the fact that he's lost the TARDIS and Ian, Susan and Barbara are distraught at the They're content. literally like, what do you mean the TARDIS is gone? And he's like, hee hee. Yeah, lost in the game of backgammon, lol. Yeah, that is my favourite episode because there's, there's the seven episodes to this story um, and that's my, that his performance in the last episode is my favourite because I love that he's like, you know, making Bezzy mates with, with Kublai Khan and, and yeah. just like, yeah, I'm going to win back the TARDIS via backgammon. And his wife. Oh, wait, I didn't, yeah. Um, so that those were the two, those were the bits that really st- stood out for me. Like the Doctor not really being... I think it's quite sad for me because I love the first Doctor so much and I really miss him. I think that, I think there are stories in like modern Who where the Doctor doesn't yeah. have to do much yeah, yeah, yeah. and it exactly. just kind of let the companions go at it. Yeah, and I think that that's fine. I'm it okay fine. with that. Yeah, I do. I I think that how good Ian, Barbara, and Susan are it means that I don't really mind that much. But I did miss the first Doctor a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, so those are my immediate thoughts. And we have to stand Ping Cho. We stand Ping Cho. Absolute legend. She's just vibing. She's letting she's like letting life happen, but then she's also really sad at the fact that she's like having to marry this random man that she's never met who's like yeah. you know, six, seven times her age. <laughs> so she is apparently sixteen, and then Susan says, Oh, I'm sixteen too, which like, is she? What's that she, in time lord? But like she's she's like an earth she's like an earthling like she's a human she's got to kind of pretend that like she she's the equivalent she's, a human. she's the equivalent of 16 I think. Yeah, which in time lord could be like 160. Yeah. It's like cat yeah. years. Cat years. Um <laughs> Ta- yeah. cats are time lords. <laughs> 
they really really bond and it's really sweet to watch their relationship unfold Mm. over the story um and i really like that they're they just like go you know they're like they go off to solve the mystery together and and they they sort of bond about susan missing home Mm. and and also ping cho missing home which are two completely different situations really but still they can both bond about like being young women who are really far away from or children really really far away from home um and i just i I just think they're great ping cho is so cute she's a real sweetheart and really great that they cast someone and it wasn't yellow face for her character yeah so like i was gonna like at some point come into this however and like you've brought it up so we might as well just talk about it now one of the things that just stood out for me right from the get-go of this story is the fact that the people of mongolia are represented people and the people of china are represented through yellow face throughout this story and so is it that every character apart from ping cho is is yellow face as, like, apart from ping cho and marco polo as far as I'm aware, he's European anyway. yeah. As far as I'm aware, like you don't notice it in the audio version. And I'm kind of glad that I didn't have to sit through some of the like inevitable, mm. like racism that would have would have been in the television version. There is like one character that I was like, "You are doing a faux Chinese accent." Is that the really like, over the top? Yes, yeah. the really like over the top. Is it was it called like Wang Lo? Yep, it's Wang Lo. And I'm just kind of like, this is just like this just feels violent. <laughs> this just feels violent to me. Yeah. Um, like, and did you search up because I I because you said you 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 knew this. I didn't actually do this bit of research because I left it to you. So. Um, did you look up all the actors and it was that none of them were, were of As far heritage. as I can tell, I'm very happy to be corrected, on, and I will be corrected on the record, but all of the actors, apart from the person who plays Ping Cho, Xenia Merton, are in yellow face. Xenia Merton is not Chinese herself. She is from what was Burma and now is Myanmar. So it just feels like all the way, it, like it takes away from the story for me. It, may, it actually makes me quite sad because mm. this story, if you cast it with with Central, Eastern, and Southeast Asian people in it playing these characters, like has the potential to be like one of the best like pieces of classic who I could enjoy because yeah. the storytelling is so good, and and the, and the writing is beautiful, and the writing is great. And the, like, the photos I've seen of, like, the sets and the costuming just looks really beautiful. It just is taken away from me, the fact that the cast is in yellow face. Yeah. And it's something we're going to have to, like, talk about time and time again on this, unfortunately, because, you know, Doctor Who um, has, a, has, a, has a history of, like, parodying Chinese, East Asian... Southeast Asian people. Um, and it's interesting that people constantly bring up Talons of Wing Chiang, which is a 1970s Doctor Who story. Mm. It happened quite a while after this, when it happened this early on. Yeah. Like, this is, the, this is what, story four? Mm-hmm. There's a story four. I think on, it's, I completely agree with you that while I was sort of watching it and listening to it, the whole time in the back of my mind, I was like, this is, I'm, I'm like 99% sure this is yellow face. Yeah. And, and it does make, it makes it really uncomfortable to watch literally apart from Ping Cho yeah. um 
And I think it's something that we're going to have to contend with a lot as we go along and something we're going to have to sort of like come back to again and again because it was so normalized in television yeah. in the 60s and 70s. But this is a stand, this is standard fear as to how you talk, how you represent non-white people is, yeah. is, is actors in makeup. And I mean, you know, Patrick, Patrick Triton, I think there's like, not in Doctor Who, but in like another project that he did. It like No, does... I think he does with Salamander. I think it's low-key like... Oh. I, I think I think this is yeah it's one of those things where that we we're not trying to take away from the story but unfortunately like we do have to call history out and luckily I you know this is not a thing that happens in New Who now that would almost oh, definitely it would not happen it would not happen now um, although we say that and then Matt Lucas does blackface and come fly with me in 2010 so yeah know. well what I would like to think is that it would never happen in Doctor Who yeah, now no, yeah. and so it, we we have to hold history to account and we can say this was not okay and um, I'll be like can, I, like can I just also just like be completely honest like I think that this like and I'm I'm saying this as a Doctor Who fan I'm saying this as like someone who's part of fandom <laughs> they're are unfortunately and I've, I've like talked about it at, actually at Gallifrey Cabaret before mm-hmm. and I caused one person to get uncomfortable and if I make one person uncomfortable when talking about racism and they are white then like sorry but suck it up the sorry that person was only uncomfortable because they were being called yeah, out. exactly they were and I and I made a point about how in fandom, in a particular section of fandom there are some people who will just go and go and bat for this and go and defend this and, you know, as someone who loves television from, like, the 60s to the 80s and film from the 60s to the 80s, like, you know, I regularly watched um, Rodgers and Hammerstein musicals with my grandmother growing up, and that, to me, is, like, comfort TV. Like, the quality of film that is associated with this kind of era just, like, screams comfort to me. Um, I'm not going to, like, pretend that I'm not aware that white actors were pretending to do black, were pretending to be black through blackface, or pretending to be East and Southeast Asian through yellowface throughout the industry at this time in history. Mm-hmm. But to sit and to bat for this kind of racism when it is racist yeah. because you like this TV show, because it's your favorite TV show, is bullshit because it can be a great tv show and also have a a past that is problematic i absolutely and and again i'm not again i said this earlier i love the way that this story is is written i love that the costuming is beautiful i love how um much of an adventure it feels i love this i love the storytelling in this but i can't i can't get away from the fact that it, it is racist it is racist. There's no, there's just no way about it. It's, no, it's, it's, it's either racist or it's not. You can't say, oh, they didn't mean it. Like they probably didn't mean it, but it's still racist. It still is racist. The other thing that like pissed me off related on this note, I'm sorry that I'm going down this rabbit hole. Please don't apologize. These rabbit holes are things that need to be spoken about. Is that the Telegraph, I think it was this week or the week before, did a polling of the top, I think it was the top 20 Doctor Who stories. Oh, I thought it was top 10. It was, it, was, it, was a t- it was a tier list. It of was Doctor a tier Who list of Doctor Who stories, and the the story that they put at number one was the Talons of Wen Chiang, and I was just like, having like having worked in journalism for the last five years, having like like knowing the the industry, it just felt like a it felt like a fucking troll. 
It felt like it what felt they were, it felt like, like what they were doing was doing a, like a middle finger up to people and be like, "Oh, you're going to be outraged about this because we're doing it for attention." And it's like I, I've not watched the talents of Wayne Chang. We will watch it. We will talk about it, and we will discuss how fucking racist it is. But to to completely sideline that and to sideline the xenophobia that is in it, mm. the deep like the, the fact that it, the, the literal the literal villain. Throughout all of it is is yellow face and and xenophobia. To ignore that and just be like, this is the best episode of Doctor Who yeah. ever, is 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 race baiting bullshit. It's race baiting bullshit. Yeah. And if anyone wants to like, if anyone wants to like complain about that. Oh, like oh, but it's a great written story. If people want to say that, I'm sure it is a great written story. I'm sure that when I watch it, I will think this is a really interestingly written story. Mm. But it's fucking racist. This, this story is, is racist. Unfortunately, you know, you can have something that's really great and, you know, is well written. I think Talons is historically seen as a really, really great Doctor Who story. And I think that a lot of people, I think it's a talking point online to bring up Talons a lot, even though yeah. there is, um, there, there's other, you know, blackface and yellow face in classic Doctor Who. This is one of those things that, it went off on the internet once. I'm pretty mm. sure it was when we we when we did Time Team. It was mm. covered in Time Team, and it absolutely. And ever since then, it's a talking point. Like every six months on Twitter, mm. um, and it it becomes one of those things that is sort of like like transphobia has just been blown up into a talking point rather than let's actually look at other Doctor Who stories that do this. Or mm. races is just like an outrage thing, yeah. right? And that's why the Telegraph have included it. It's not really about um, racism in Doctor Who or or holding things to account. It's just like how to cause an argument on Twitter. And yeah, it's absolutely wrong that the Telegraph have done that because it does feel like they're baiting people into having this conversation. It's like, it's it's baiting, like, and and, you know, I have taken the bait and I've fallen for the bait. But like, as someone who is non-white, who, like, I still can't get over the fact that like fucking Matt Lucas was doing blackface in 2010. Yeah. He's doing eight, he's like pretending to be like. Wasn't, wasn't that been, show on until 2013? That was, no, no, it was just one, it was just one season. Okay. But like, he's, he's doing blackface. He's doing like impressions of like, of like South Asian men mm. in like brown face. And that got broadcast like 13 years ago. Yeah. And I know that, it, I know that Come Fly With Me is not Doctor Who. But this idea that, oh, like, we're over it and it's not going to happen again, so why are you complaining about it? Yeah. If you're still, like, sat there defending it because it's of the time, yeah, I'm aware it's of the time. Yeah, I'm aware that it was done right across the fucking industry. Doesn't make it right. No. Doesn't mean that it's right. Just because something is of its time doesn't mean that it can't be called out. In the same way that we talk about, like, the sexism that is in these serials, the the same way that we talk about, like, the way that... You know, Barbara and Susan get talked about mm. in in and these it's, stories. It's 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 the same with things like James Bond. Like I find the older films quite uncomfortable for their sexism. So and uncomfortable. Like that. And I I think that some people get upset when you when you call things out from the past because it means a lot to people, which I completely understand. Like there are things from new Doctor Who that make me uncomfortable but mean a lot to me. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And um, just because it was problematic doesn't mean that you're a bad person for still enjoying that story. No, that's, not, that's, what that's not what we're saying. I very much enjoyed Marco Polo, but it is, it is, it's racist. There's racism in it. It's whether it was purposeful or not. 
and we can give them the benefit of the doubt and just think it was yeah. just whatever practices they carried out in the 60s. Um, but unfortunately, we can't talk about this story without pointing that out because it's very important. And it doesn't it doesn't mean that we think that, like, you liking this... Yeah, like you said, it doesn't mean that we think that you liking this makes you a racist. And it's, it's that thing of, like, when you criticise something... There's a really interesting, not to go on a tangent, there's a really interesting article at the moment by Sarah Manavis in the, in the New Statesman, which I might share on my own personal Twitter um, after this episode goes out, about the role of the critic. Mm-hmm. And she says that she makes a really good point in that we have become really conditioned to see that any slight criticism of a particular section of art that we enjoy is an attack (laughs) is an attack or it's cancellation or it's like you know a targeted thing Mm. when in fact it's just that it's criticism we're criticizing this story Mm. and critiquing it from a 21st century modern lens of we know that doing yellow face is racist that xenophobia comes from a place of racism Mm -hmm. that blackface is racist and we're not saying that the entirety of Doctor Who thus is racist, the entirety of the fandom is thus racist. We're saying that this particular element of this show is racist yeah. and we need to recognise it and talk about it. And it's not black and white like you like Marco Polo, you're bad, or the people that made this story are bad. Like It's yeah. not as easy as that because life isn't as easy as no. that. However, racism is bad. And so <laughs> that's all we're saying. Yeah. Um, and I think that... We, again, we'll probably have this conversation again and it's something to come back to every time we sort of have a story like this. But just to keep in mind that we're not going to shy away from it and that we should be calling it out. Um, Because, you know, it was 60 years ago and Mm. we're going through the history of Doctor Who and it wouldn't be the history of Doctor Who without, you know, talking about when it wasn't, didn't quite get something right. Yeah. (laughs) Or got something very wrong. In the same way that we'll talk about, like, you know, lines in modern who like i'm sure we'll get to that's so gay when it comes to like aliens of london and how like it's written of that time mm. and how and how that kind of like had an impact and might have had an impact on some people in the same way that we'll talk about like you know episodes of doctor who that we that we think from a writing perspective don't get it quite right or think that think that not that just they make us uncomfortable but just like they're not our favorites like if you and if you if you can't stand the heat, get out of the kitchen, babes. We can celebrate the fact that Zienna Merton is the first non-white person to have a role in Doctor Who. And that's important. And we should celebrate that. We're 100% sure of that. Are you sure there wasn't anyone in Unearthly Child or anything like that? Just because I know someone will correct us. Yes, I, 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 think, I, I, care. <laughs> I think given the criticism we've just had, it is also really important to say that Zienna Merton you know, is the first non-white person in Doctor Who, actor in Doctor Who. And that's a really great thing to celebrate that it happened within four stories. I think we should, as we go along on this discussion, talk about both, you know, wherever there are wins like this, because because also, you know, it's, again, it's not black and white. Mm. And then it is also interesting that like, okay, they did manage to get her in there so why couldn't they just do why that couldn't the they find some the Chinese actors to actually play Chinese people as opposed but, you know. to like one woman who is from Myanmar <laughs> uh, or whose her parents or one of her parents is from Myanmar plus a selection of white people in yellow face 
something I wanted to quickly mention um, is that the Doctor keeps getting Ian's name wrong at the beginning of the story. It made me laugh because I think it's almost definitely William Hartnell getting his lines wrong. But mm. then I thought, is he doing like what the Ninth Doctor does with Mickey and purposely trying to piss Ian off by getting his name wrong? I can't tell. So my, think... That's my headcanon now. Is He's just trying to annoy Ian by getting his name wrong all the time. I'm tempted to say that it might be that like, it's a bit of both. Yeah. Like it was initially like William tripping over his scripts. Yeah. And then they just maybe just wrote it as like, okay, he's just like trying to piss Ian off. Yeah, I love that. And I just thought that that, that was really funny. Like, it made me laugh. And I like, I, another thing that I really love is just like the costuming from like all the photos I've seen of this, <sighs> like the way that they have like built the sets. Let's compare, let's compare side by side the Edge of Destruction, which is set on one set mm. and has obviously been made on a, on a budget versus this where all the photos just look like lavish the sets look great it just looks really beautiful there's a monkey like barbara (laughs) gets a lovely hat yeah barbara gets a lovely hat to wear so i just i really love how expensive everything looks and there was clearly like budget put into this it was clearly money put into this one it was a big one it was a big one it's a big one for the girls watching the telesnaps the sets are incredible the sets are literally incredible compared to i think the daleks had really good sets but i think just to have especially seeing it in color as well Mm. the the color the set design the costumes all of it is really really stunning Mm. and it's one of those ones i think if they ever find i'd love it to be colorized because it is genuinely beautiful someone's got it i think someone's got this one somewhere in their in their attic they have got it on like VHS that yeah. was re-showed in like 1978 or something like that. Yeah. There'll be someone's holding it hostage. Someone's holding it hostage <laughs> in like New Zealand. That's what I love about the missing episodes. So they turn up in like really random places that like formerly would have had BBC like yeah. stations. So there was like, which one was finding? Was there one found in Kenya? I was wrong. It was Nigeria. Fifteen episodes were found in Nigeria. Um, one episode was found in the United Arab Emirates. Three were found in Cyprus. Four were found in Hong Kong. Hong Kong. That's so cool, isn't it? It's so, so cool to random. see that. There's a nice list on Wikipedia where you can see um, where, we, you know, different episodes were found. But the most, of course, were in the home of Sydney Newman, Canada. <laughs> Canada. Canada. <laughs> I just want to add that there's a scene where Ian pretends to be drunk and it's really funny. Oh my goodness, yes. He's Love like, that. He's like, yeah, you're having a drink with me. <laughs> Thank you, hot Ian, for being, pretending to be drunk. And also, I love that Pecho just like gets her life back because her her seventy oh. five year old arranged marriage husband cacks just it. cacks it at the end of the story. <laughs> um, He's dead. What do you want to do? Do you want to stay in this beautiful palace with Kublai Khan and his wife? Yes, like, I think. Yes, I will. Yes, I will thank you. <laughs> um, Pecho is one of those characters that like I would love it if we like. I'm, and I'm sure if I went on her Wikipedia, her TARDIS wiki, there's probably a big finish where she does return. But it's one oh, of the, she's one of those characters that I think I'll remember for a really long time. And I would mm. love to, I'd love to like have a like a Tales of the TARDIS or something where Pincho and Susan meet again yeah. and they're like older. They can't sadly. No, they can't. I know. <laughs> I know that. Oh, okay, but no. just like, you know, um, it, it like the character could return it some way yeah. or something. Yeah. Oh, so interestingly, I've just gone on Pincho's um, TARDIS wiki and she is literally only in Marco Polo. I thought maybe someone at Big Finish would have like done a little story with her or something, but I, they haven't. So uh, free for all. Let's bring back Pincho. Pincho IP. Like she delivers every line so beautifully. Her and Susan like have this little like scene under the stars, and then Susan's like, "I've never seen a moonlit night," which is so weird. Like, How could you, you never have seen about? a moonlit night, Susan? You live um, in London. There is a sky. <laughs> there, there is, is there is a moon. There is a moon. There is air pollution and like light pollution, but you can see the moon. <laughs> and they get caught in a sandstorm together. They li- they share a bedroom together. It's just so nice because I imagine 
you know, like now, when I was a teenager, like the 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 female companions were really my like my, they were like my best friends. Like yeah. I wanted to dress like them, I wanted to be like them, and I just think like, oh, you know, imagine being like a young kid or a young girl watching this in the sixties mm. and being like, oh, I want to be just like Susan and Pincho, and it's just yeah. it's so cute. It's really nice to see their relationship developed, and then Susan's literally like. What do you mean you're marrying a man of 75? <laughs> no, you're not. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's, it's really lovely. You're not doing that. Thank you very much, my darling. Also, there's a scene where Ping Cho and Susan are talking and to, to like, distinguish that Susan's from the 20th century, she says something like, we, like, dig it. But, like, oh gosh, Susan yes. has never said that before in the show and I imagine, I don't imagine Susan to ever have expressed the word it's dig so it before. Cringe. So it, re- it really feels like an older man going... What would a young woman say? What would the young woman say? You know? What else does she say? She's like, oh, she's like, she's a wicked, wicked. She's wicked. I'm like, uh, Susan's never uh, spoke uh, that way. Uh, she's never spoke that way. It's so weird. It's literally like an, you know, like an older person trying to write like a 16 year old girl and getting it really wrong. Uh, but it is quite funny to hear Ping Cho respond to that. Imagine if she just like come from the 21st century. Imagine if she had gone back to 1960 after being in the 21st century and she came out and went, Oh, Ping Cho, that's very slay. <laughs> Ping Cho, you've served. <laughs> Pincho, you are a queen. Pincho, work diva. You're a strong, independent woman. You don't need a 75-year-old man. <laughs> Pincho serving <laughs> <laughs> I think I've gone through all of my, my points. I just want to say that the final line and the final scene is quite lovely because Marco Polo sends them off in the magic yes. caravan. Um, and then there's like a little scene at the end where the TARDIS team, well, this is on the, I think this happens, this is in the telesnaps where they're in the TARDIS and then there's like a, like a you know like a spacey scene mm. and then um finally marco polo is allowed to go back to venice yeah, and it's just i really go. like the last scene it's really lovely and it's it's one of those one of those stories where i guess it is the first celebrity historical with like a historical starring marco polo <laughs> you know what i mean like a historical yeah. character that is like was a real famous yeah. person and the doctor making bezzy mates with kubla like that is what doctor who is to me the doctor like making friends with historic figures and like bragging about and stuff like that is a real big part of doctor who so it's the first proper time we get that marco polo on instagram live <laughs> no i'm just like i'm currently in the himalayas right now yeah yeah it's really exciting yeah i'm gonna go see kubla khan <laughs> Hi, Kublai. Hi. Marco Polo, the influencer. Tagana is like, is like wanting to start war between the Mongol people. No, that's not true. That's not true, bestie. Like, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be saying that, like, <laughs> if I didn't believe that. Should we go on to our background character? Yes. Who is our background character of the week, Beth? My background character of the week is the little monkey. I have a name. <laughs> just because racism is bad doesn't mean i can't laugh at it <laughs> my uh, mostly because the monkey doesn't speak so yes. he's, and also because it's the telesnaps you can't really tell who the background characters are so um mine is the monkey on the shoulder of the man who holds the monkey who does have a name but it's funnier to just call him the man with the monkey i'm gonna just go with that also because i you listened to i it. listened to it so i don't really know if there's any additional background characters maybe the tent can we at the end of this series photoshop all of our background characters together together into a nice little collage yeah here are all our background characters for season one of doctor who maybe put them on maybe put them onto heaven yeah you know know, (laughs) put them in heaven put them in heaven with wilco the xl bullies captain tom and artrace um well does that lead us onto onto fun facts i think it might do because my fun fact is about the monkey go on 
my fun fact is that the monkey was apparently not particularly pleasant to actually work with on set. Oh, and Caroline Cancel him. Cancel, cancel the monkey. Um, but Caroline Ford said that apparently it just used to piss everywhere and bite people. Yeah, I've heard so, this before. <laughs> I just love that that monkey is somewhere like waiting for their animal bafta. And they're like, why did I not get it? It was because you were shit on set, mate. <laughs> That's a really funny <laughs> you fact. You were a complete dick to everyone and pissed on them. My fact which I, I think you've probably already stumbled upon while researching I think this. I accidentally did, sorry. Yeah. No, no, it's okay. My fun fact is that Xenia Merton, who plays Ping Cho, was in the Sarah Jane Adventures. She was the registrar in the wedding of Sarah Jane Smith. I can't believe that. So on TARDIS Wiki, it says, this is the first actor from the, from the first series of Doctor Who to appear in a current episode of the franchise, like in like New really? And she apparently in 2018 also recorded the narration for Marco Polo, but died three months before it was released oh, in 2018. I, just, I, I love that she came, like, honestly, as I was saying earlier, she's so great. I love that she came back to the universe, even yeah. as a, just a little part. Um, do you think they knew, do you think they asked her specifically, or do you think it was like, you know how I like actors who will just like take what, take what's randomly given. And then they were like, oh my gosh, it's yeah. her. I think she was probably asked, to be honest. I would hope that she was asked, although I can't really see anything about that on TARDIS Wiki. But the character does have a name. Her name is Sandra Cho. Um, and yeah, it was in The Wedding of Sarah oh, Jane Smith. Great. Oh, I love so that. So in my headcanon, Ping Cho moved to Ealing. <laughs> she's now a registrar she's and she changed her time. name to Sandra <laughs> as you know every single week we add a song to our song of the story playlist which is on Spotify um, so you've got a couple of songs that you can now listen to that are associated with uh, stories that we've talked about previously we're on song number four Beth what is your submission to the playlist and we'll have to have a battle out to the death for this my submission for Marco Polo is Venice Bitch by Lana Del Rey <laughs> David has just gotten up and walked across the room. How did I not think of this? So the reason I picked Venice Bitch by Lana Del Rey is because it's from her best album. Um, But also because Marco Polo, his entire thing is, I would like to go back to Venice because he's from Venice. It's me, your little Venice bitch. It's about Marco Polo. Yeah. So that is my choice. I kind of love that. It's a good one. It's a good one. It is a good one. My suggestion was going to be Marco by fred again okay well <laughs> well because i was like i can't i don't really know what like the song for this would be but that's really i think venice bitch wins because that's just so clever i really like that thank you i really yeah let's put venice bitch in nine minutes of pure joy that honestly venice bitch if you if you haven't listened to norman fucking rockwell by lana del rey it would change your life and by the way that is the actual album title if you haven't listened to that album go listen to it go listen to venice bitch because it's a great song puffy mouth you marco polo my Venice bitch. <laughs> My mum listens to this. <laughs> Normally we have a little chat about news at the end of the pod. Mm. Uh, Doctor Who news. Honestly, there is a lot. There's a lot going on in the world of Doctor yep. Who right now. And I'm trying to think of like my like immediate news. I think the thing that strikes me, and it, we're recording this on Friday the 17th of November. Um, the thing that strikes me is that tonight, was in Friday oh, the yes. 17th of November, there is going to be a special sketch that has been written for children in need. If you have money and wish to donate to children in need, then um, then please do. Um, and it stars Mawan Rizwan, who, number one, Mawan Rizwan, if you, if you are hearing this um, and you would like to go for a drink with me on, on a Thursday night, um, 
I will be available on Thursday night to have a drink with you because I will be free. And, um, and if you could introduce me to your brother, Naban, who I'm in love with, yeah, I would so, like to go for a drink with him. So if, if, you, if both of you are available, we could do a little double date. Um, it'd be really cute. Um, I don't mind where we go. Um, I'm, I'm very cheap and very easy. You know, Weatherspoons, Frankie and Benny's. McDonald's. Uh, McDonald's. <laughs> <laughs> McDonald's and Clapham. I honestly have such a big crush on, I... on Nava but Honestly, like, like intense crush. So when it was, and, but, but also I've been watching Juice, which is Mawan's show yes. with Russell Tovey on BBC iPlayer. If you could also introduce me to Russell Tovey, um, so that- <laughs> Who's we, also a beautiful who's man. Who's also a beautiful man. If we, we, I mean, we could, we, we, you could you both adopt me. <laughs> Um, or I could be, you know, the, you know, the local concubine. That's, that's fine. I'm, I'm down for whatever, you know, when it comes to you, I will make love on the floor. What is and that song? That's the news. Down for whatever. What? I'm down for whatever. When it comes to you, I can make love on the floor. Kelly Rowland. Featuring someone. Fine. Cool. <laughs> Featuring, so, the um, Featuring the wabs. Featuring the just for the wabs. That is the news. The news is that there's a little mini Doctor Who episode in Children Need tonight, which is something that really reminds me of my childhood. Yeah. Like I remember, like honestly, I have such core cool memories of watching Doctor Who on on Red Nose Day or Children in Need. So I'm really excited. I've got my fourth Doctor, Pudsy Bear, that's yeah. gonna got to be with me. Hold um, tight. Who was like um, a depression purchase a few a few weeks ago, <laughs> and I love him. Um, I was gonna say a few years ago. No, it was about three weeks. It was three weeks <laughs> three ago, ago. I purchased the fourth Doctor, Pudsy Bear. <laughs> um, yeah, that's really exciting. And then literally in a few days, it all kicks off, doesn't it? It's the, the 60th anniversary. I can't believe it. It's quite it's quite scary how quick that's come around. And it's really, really nice to be going back to the beginning of Doctor Who, particularly around this time. And I know we I know we chose to do this because of it all dropping on iPlayer. But actually, I'm really enjoying properly going from the beginning yeah. during the 60th. And because seeing because how a lot of formed. the 60th is quite like 14 and Donna oriented at the moment. Because obviously we haven't seen the episodes. We don't know what happens in them. Um, and so a lot of the promo is featuring them. So it's really nice to celebrate the actual beginning of Doctor Who, um, you know, in our own way. Yeah. And it's, yeah, I'm really enjoying it. So we promised you something very exciting right at the top of the podcast. We promised you the chance to listen to some beautiful audio from the audio versions of Marco Polo. Yes, Penguin Random House Audio have given us... I think about five, five minutes, maybe a little bit more of um, the Marco Polo audiobook for you to enjoy. And we will put a little link in the description of where you can purchase it if you'd like to go and listen to the rest. Yes, if you want to go and listen to all of it, you can buy it in the link in the bio. Thank you so much to Penguin Around the Pass for this. Enjoy Classic Doctor Who. Daylight is fading fast on the mountain as they pick their way along a narrow path, emerging onto yet another shelf of rock. Ian, wait a minute. I must rest. Come on, Barbara. We haven't found anything yet. We must find something. All right, then. You go on. I'll catch up with you. All right. Ian moves on. Oh, it's hopeless. She leans against the ledge and closes her eyes. And when she opens them again, a fur-clad figure is standing just a few feet away. Ian! Startled, the figure turns and runs. What is it? What's the matter? or something just standing there staring at me you don't believe me do you well look at these footprints the evidence seems irrefutable a line of prints moving off into the shadows but of the watching figure itself 
there is now no sign. I better take you back to the ship. Can you mend it, Grandfather, or have you got to make a new one? I'm afraid it's going to mean a new one, dear, and that's going to take me days. Oh, I don't know, really, I'm always in the... Well, Chesterton. Just as you predicted, Doctor, nothing but snow and ice. Uh, have you found the fault? Yes, 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 but it's going to take such a long time, time we don't have. Now, the only chance is to try and get down to a lower uh, altitude and, and uh, you know, before it gets cold and then we... Doctor, there are strange things on the mountain. I saw one of them. What are you talking about now? Well, I only saw a print. Print? What sort of print? Paws? Who's? What? To tell you the truth, I thought it was made by a fur boot. No, Ian, I, I'm sure it wasn't well, human. If it were, that means there's shelter nearby. The figure has reappeared. Quick, up to it. It's our only chance of shelter. The doctor stops to lock the TARDIS door. Come on, Grandfather. Yes, all right, yes, 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 yes. They chase the figure back onto the further ledge. Which way did it go? Suddenly, they are faced with a large group of fierce-looking warriors, each armed with a long sword. The doctor's party huddles together. Ian to the front. We're travellers, lost on the mountains. Will you give us shelter? The leader among the warriors steps forward and examines the strangers. Ah. Before turning to his men. Hear me, Mongols. In these parts live evil spirits who take our likeness to deceive us and then lead us to our deaths. Let us therefore destroy these evil spirits before they destroy us. We're not evil spirits. We are people like yourselves. Destroy them. Stop! <laughs> Put up your swords. The newcomer is a tall, handsome man in riding boots and furs. Would you have us killed? These are evil spirits. I command you in the name of Kublai Khan. Reluctantly, the Mongols sheathe their weapons. The old man has the mountain sickness. Yes, he has. My caravan is further down the pass. Come. Come on, Doctor. The doctor is breathing hard as Ian takes his arm to help him from the plateau. Who is he, Barbara? I was asking myself the same question. In the main room of a large straight-sided tent draped in furs, a simmering cauldron hangs over a central wood-burning fire with rugs and cowhide stools scattered around it. The cauldron is attended by an attractive young Chinese girl. The tent door opens, and the doctor's party follow their rescuer in. We have guests, Big Joe. They are cold and hungry. Yes, Mr. Malcolm. Ian helps the doctor to a stool near the fire, and Ping Cho ladles liquid from the cauldron into a bowl. Sit down, doctor. The girl hands the doctor the bowl, then serves the others. Thank you, my dear. Like her, or any of the others. No, he's a European, Susan. And he mentioned Kublai Khan. Kublai Khan? He was a great Mongol leader who conquered all of Asia. 
had the European in his service. He was a Venetian, and his name... I'm afraid the, uh, the liquid is not too warm. But the cold here is so intense, it even robs the flame of its heat. Oh, it's excellent nourishment, sir. Mm. The cold can't affect the heat of the flame, sir. The liquid boils at a lower temperature because there's so little air up here. You mean the air is responsible? Well, the lack of it. Just as the lack of it is responsible for the doctor's mountain sickness. Is your name Marco Polo? It is, my lady, and may I ask who you are? Oh, we're, we're travellers, yes. That's my grandchild, Susan, and that's Miss Wright, and that's Charlton. <laughs> Chesterton. Ian Chesterton. My companions are the Lady Ping Cho and the Warlord Tegant. And we travel to Shangtu. Shangtu? That's in China, isn't it? China? I do not know this place. Shangtu is in Cathay. Oh, silly of me. Yes, of course, Cathay. Well, you must all be very tired. Ping Cho, you will share your quarters with... Susan. Susan, I will sleep here with the others and Lady... Miss Wright. Miss Wright, you will have mine. Thank you. Thank you. You saved our lives. <clears throat> I'm rather curious to know why you were wandering around the mountainside at night. But questions can wait until morning. Uh, there, there, there were two young men that I would like to ask. Well, ask them. Uh, what uh, year is this and, and where are we? Hmm? You do not know? No, that's why I'm asking you. How long have you been traveling? It is 1289, and this is the plain of Pamir, known to those who travel to Cathay as the roof of the world. The roof of the world? Please do get in touch with us and tell us what you think about these classic stories. We'd love to hear your thoughts. We're at Who Watch Podcast on all of the social media platforms. And we are also available to contact via the means of electronic mail at the Who Watch Podcast at gmail.com. So next week we're covering the keys of Marinus. Ooh. Which is I remember this being a banger when I first watched it. Okay. And it's really nice because there's quite a lot of historicals in this series. So mm. I'm excited to get to a like a one that's not a historical yes um uh, just to give it like a little bit of a little bit of a change up um and yeah i remember really liking keys of mariner so i'm really excited to watch that and i think we've done the last seven parter of the series so we've only got four and, i think God. we've only got four and six parters left of this season now Great. so that's really lovely and i and i think the next missing stuff will be the end of the series and i think there's only two that have been animated so so we're run clear we're yeah, great it's really exciting i'm excited for next week yeah uh, before we go obviously we want to say thank you to our two brilliant beautiful creative minds that have come to form some part of this podcast and those are the lovely reese Connolly for their beautiful artwork that has been across your socials and in this feed hire them they can do graphics really well. And will not mind if you ask for small changes randomly on a <laughs> Thursday night. <laughs> Thanks, Reese. And thank you to Hayden Wynn, who made our amazing theme tune that I can't stop. I just love it so much. <laughs> it's so cool that we have our own music. Thank you so much, Hayden. Yes, make sure that you hire Hayden and all of his services. We'll see you next week, then. We'll see you next week. Bye. Goodbye.